Hey, Oops, the podcast listeners. You can find us on every Tuesday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. What's up, guys? This is Oops the Podcast. I'm Giulio Gallarati. I'm Francis. And uh, here we are. Another great episode. Uh, we have a wonderful guest today. Our good pal, comedian Doug Smith. Yo, yo, yo. Thanks for having man? me, boys. You weren't sure if you were going to talk there. Yeah, it was, I'm, always, I'm always worried about stepping on toes on podcasts. Step away, Podcast buddy. weird. Got to get that intro out. You're the Tap guest dance. of honor here. <laughs> Tap dance. We're here for you. Uh, Doug has an album coming out. Uh, what date does it drop? Uh, it it's already out. Yeah, okay, December cool. 3rd it came out. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, I'm all washed It's called up Barely Regal. Yeah, Barely Regal. Is this your Give first it a album? Stream. First album, yep. Congrats, man. Nice. Thanks, man. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. Everywhere you Apparently can stream Apparently, Pandora is the number one hub for comedy listening. Did you know that? Did not know that. Pandora, I haven't baby. I Pandora in 10 years. But no, nor have I. Yeah. Corner in the comedy market. That's cool. Yep. Are you going to have it also go, hopefully, to like Sirius or any of those places? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that's a good place for comedy. That's where the bucks you know, are. Get the, yeah. uh, the old, uh, you know... Yeah, the, the guapo. guapo. <laughs> I don't know if that means money. I don't think it does. Guap does. I think it does, Guap. yeah. Mm. The bag. Mm. The bag? Is that what it means? That spank literally it, translates to? No, no, no. That's not. That's another oh. term. Oh, yeah? yeah? The bag? The bag. <laughs> you so, will secure the bag. I may get a bag of money over the course of the next 10 years. Let's hope so, man. Let's hope. Doug uh, has a comedy album out, uh, and we've also seen him on Conan. We've also seen him on This Is Not Happening, which I love This Is Not Happening. And I specifically love your This Is Not Happening. In fact, I blogged it when I was working at you did. the old Barstool Sports. <laughs> the old gotta say it at least once an episode. <laughs> I feel like I That's just That's actually the first it. time you've said it in a while, to be honest. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, dude, I didn't know that you worked for Barstool until that came out. Because oh, I used to see you like at shows and mics and stuff and just... I thought you were just this sweetheart of a handsome wasp, and then I found out you're this big swinging dick for Barstool. Oh, gosh. A superstar. Well, it's possible that we would do shows before I started working there, uh, and then Probably. I Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started working there in 2016. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, it was cool, I, because I, I would occasionally start writing about sets that I'd seen that I really liked. I, I, po I once blogged uh, John Rednitsky's Conan set where uh -huh. he did this great bit about playing football and he just like mimed the whole thing in slow motion and I blogged it and then he reached out to me and was like, thanks so much. And I was like, what? You know, where are they? Where are they seeing this? Like, who's? Is it? Is it a good thing? I guess maybe you know maybe it's good to be featured. I don't know. But your 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 this is not happening was 
one of the most insane, uh, incredible turns on comedy that I'd ever seen. Thanks, man. And it wound um, up being the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. I need your... to find that guy and have him slash me again. Yeah, it's your story, <laughs> boost. Right? Yeah, I'm sure you've told it a million times. But would you give us a quick recounting of what happened? Uh, me and a rapist were fighting over the same woman, and he won. <laughs> <laughs> that's the short that's yeah. the log line i think i think it's important to, 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 to you were fighting on behalf of her you <laughs> yes. were her champion and he was her rapist that's what it yeah, was, yeah 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 i mean i'm a, i'm assuming that's where he was headed with it he was it was in the second avenue subway station and there was this you know young white girl screaming he was trying to rip her purse away and tear her clothes off and punch her in the face and nobody was doing anything and that's a busy station too but yeah. everybody was like, what Ooh. time of night was it It's like 10 o'clock on a thursday okay I was how able you guys remember cabin story. i was leaving cabin yeah all right back to park slope it's like the best show at yeah. the time and uh must be nice yeah should have stayed a little longer <laughs> uh and uh yeah so i just like nobody's doing anything and i yelled some shit out to him and he let her go and he came after me and i was a little i was I was kind of amped up because I had never been in a fight in my life. And I thought, well, what better time than now? I'm fucking lay this guy out. So he came, at, he came at me and I stepped in and swung. And I was still like this far away from him when I swung. <laughs> so just whoosh, big swing and a miss. He stepped in, hit me. And I didn't realize he had a, a razor blade in his hand. So I was about to turn and get on the train. Well, I can't, after he hit me, I came back, kicked him in the balls. He ran out of the station. I was like, yeah, I fucking showed him. I had no idea that he had a razor blade in his hand, so I, a woman stopped me and told me I had blood streaming down my face, walked me up to the street. and you didn't even <laughs> feel it? No. Holy shit. No. I think you've told didn't me that didn't before. didn't feel That's anything. Crazy, man. Was felt, that because of just the just felt the warmth of the blood. I think it was the adrenaline and just like when a, when a blade just slices through you that, that fast, clean, yeah. it's just like you, you know, right hot right knife now. through butter, you know? How able-bodied was this guy? I've always wondered that. Like, was he a guy so who had showered for a few days, or did he seem? You know what I mean? Did he yeah. seem with it to some degree? No. So he was. Uh, they caught him like three days later. He was a fifty-one-year-old homeless guy. Gotcha. His only priors were like public intoxication. They found him outside the same station wearing the same clothes. He didn't go into hiding at all. He was like, "This is the spot for punching ladies." So he's yeah. one of these like wiry bums who are known for being scrappy. Dude, I'm going to yeah. step in, all right? I, I I like to picture him as one of those guys who does pull-ups on like street posts. Uh, right. <laughs> and uses Manhattan yeah. as right. his gym. Uses the yeah. infrastructure and is able to like hold DMX him, video. Yeah, like yeah. hold himself in a plank <laughs> on a fire hydrant <laughs> for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Just you know, doesn't wear a shirt. Resistance training. That's funny. Yeah, That's what a, Rio's like, man. Everyone's just working out all over the entire city. All yeah, time. my oh, ass damn. kicked by a parkour master. Yeah. So was he big? No, he was like pretty much the exact same size as me. Skinny? S yeah, slender. Yeah, that's why I thought, you know, this will be a fair fight at least. So he had already slashed you after you had kicked, or before you had kicked him in the balls, and you didn't even yeah. realize it. Yeah. So that yeah. the entirety of the violent exchange was you swing and miss. Yep. He swings, slices your face, connects, and then you kick him in the balls. I come back, kick him in the balls. Yep. Did that uh, affect him? Did he crumple, or was he? He backed up and ran out, but I think it's because he saw what he had done to my face. Right. You know, I think he was like, "All right." 
damage is done. Let me get out of here. So let's let's take a quick look at at the scar on your face. It is dramatic. You think so? Oh, okay. Good. No, I, I, I think but, it's faded a lot in a good way. I, yeah. I, I I say that because what better badge of honor to wear? <laughs> uh, you know, people are afraid. I think often to to ask people how they got a scar, but yeah, they are. Yeah, your story will ingratiate you to any dinner party or any, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. My God, you 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 cannot but but acknowledge your heroism in that. The my my only regret is I was I was engaged at the time that this happened, so I never got to cash in on any of that scar pussy. You know, <laughs> any of that hero puss. <sighs> Hate to see it. <laughs> Scar pussy. Yeah, I gotta say, you have fantastic skin. Yeah, I'm admiring. Oh man, I'm admiring well, dude, that's. I feel face. like I still got a couple. That's one of the perks of giving up drinking, dude. I had like uh, for the last. I was telling these guys glowing, before the pod bro. started. Um, you look hot. Uh, dewy. I moisturize. Um, yeah, for 18 years, dude. I had started drinking when I was 18. I wasn't even drinking that. Well, I was drinking heavily for a number of years. The last few years, it was just like maintenance you know just like a beer or two a night 100%. not even enough to get drunk just bloated and tired you know yeah and then i tried i'd had like i'd had acne depression ibs for years and i just i tried everything in the everything else in the i tried cut gluten out i quit drinking coffee for two years i was vegan for a month back in the spring just the booze mm. yeah it was just the booze you look and now I'm great, now I'm finally telling people about it now because when I, I was vegan, I told everybody like a week in. I was like, "This is the new me. This is my right. lifestyle." Wow. Do you think you'll ever go back? I don't think so. Let I think weed. This. I think weed and seltzer is all I need. Yeah. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, "If you're thinking about starting a podcast," I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium. And you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, Anchor.fm, download it now. So that's actually my next, what I'm working on now is, uh, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. First 20 years of my life was deep in the trenches. Going door to door? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Let's get into that. (laughs) This is great. This is fantastic. What a great new door to open. (laughs) Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ding dong, it's Sunday at 8 a.m. Want to hear about Armageddon? <laughs> oh my God. I didn't mean to cut you off though. You were, you, that's what you're working on now? Working on yeah, yeah. That. So, like, I, you know, I, I had done jokes about being raised Jehovah's Witness before, but that's one of those things that people are so, for the most part, so clueless about. Mm-hmm. They'll know one or two things, like, oh, you go door to door, you can't celebrate birthdays, but like, all in all, it's a very kind of blurry picture that people have of it. So, I had tried doing jokes about it over the years but i i felt like i was met with a lot of confusion from people that didn't really know the ins and outs of it so i felt like all right this is something now that i know i can do a 15 minute story this is 20 years of my you know that was a 30 second incident this is 20 years of my life that i can you know kind of trim the fat and take 
certain stories and plug some jokes okay. in. So that's mm-hmm. that's my next thing that I'm working on now is trying to do like a themed stand-up show about that. Cool. Yeah. So uh, do you feel the need to teach up top as you talk about Jehovah's Witness? Um, establish yeah, a baseline of understanding? So that's, 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 the, that's the fine line, you know? Like you do, there is a certain amount of exposition required right. just to kind of, you know, yeah. give people a foundation of, of what's involved with it. Um, but I was kind of thinking a fun way to start the show might to just be like a, a question, start the show, like a Q and a sort of thing of like people, uh, raising their hands and asking me questions, you know, just for like a couple of minutes or me being like, what do you know about Jehovah's witnesses go? And just like being like a teacher and just writing it on a chalkboard and then kind of like dispelling some of those myth. Like you have people suggest crazy things. I've had people be like, Oh, you're the guys that uh, you can't cut your hair ever, right? It's like, well, clearly I've cut my hair at some point in my life. Or, you know, you have to like fuck a live chicken and have a virgin sacrifice on your 13th birthday. It's like, no, those are the Jews, you know. So, <laughs> his words not ours. Well, dude, the, the, but the thing, uh, anytime I've heard any details about Jehovah's Witnesses beliefs, yeah. they kind of are. They're kind of funny in and of themselves. So I feel like. Maybe, like like you said, it's it, there's a bunch of good ways to tell people about it. Right. But it seems like it's potentially funny. The in, the process of informing is potentially hilarious as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you found that or whatever. Right. Doug, I think now would be a good time, if you would, give yeah. us that first paragraph of the Wikipedia page of Jehovah's Witnesses. The broad stroke. The first paragraph. Okay. Do you know well, what I'm saying? And then we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. the first paragraph is always like, this is what it is. And then they get into like timeline and all okay. that. Okay. I think I can do this. So Jehovah's Witnesses, it's a sect of Christianity that is based entirely on biblical teachings. And they believe that that uh God put Adam and Eve on this earth. They uh they sinned bringing imperfection into humankind. And Jesus died for our sins, and it is now our duty as God-fearing humans to devote our lives to uh, spreading the good word, as they say, about Jehovah and his teachings and the fact that Armageddon is real. Everything bad that's happening in the world is a sign of the times, a sign of the end times. So Armageddon is close at hand, and they believe that if you are an upstanding member of the organization you will survive armageddon and the earth will be replenished into a paradise earth where you can live forever and all uh deceased jehovah's witnesses will be resurrected from the dead to live together with man and beast in harmony on this paradise earth interesting wow so now this might be one of those stupid questions but i've heard that oh there's only a, a limited number of spaces so you're talking about the 144,000. That's another, That's another thing. important point. See? This is, so oh, there, oh, there's a select oh. few Jehovah's Witnesses, 144,000, that believe that they have received some sort of divine calling that they are to rule with Jesus in heaven gotcha. when they die. So the only holiday that Jehovah's Witnesses celebrate is the memorial of Jesus' death. So that's the only it's the only one we celebrate. Gotcha. And it's kind of similar to a Catholic mass in that there's want there's wine and unleavened bread passed around, and if you believe that you're one of these hundred forty four thousand, then you partake. So, 
I maybe Ooh. saw in 20 years, I maybe saw one person partake, yeah. and it's always like, whoa, he's so one of the dudes. Bunch, you but know? He, who, but what, what who could chooses? stop you? Yeah. What's who that? chooses those people? That's just it. The, like, that guy how was, do you, like, I'm was like, yeah, I'm one, of, I'm one of them. Like, apparently, they believe that they, I don't know whether it comes to them in a dream or a vision or, or what, but they think that they have some sort of divine calling to that they've been to rule with jesus in heaven in a way yeah. and, and, yeah. and and, and has parallels is, do, to other yeah does anybody look at that guy and be like what a cocky dick <laughs> like what a, who does he think he is there goes gary I again him, i watched him <laughs> drinking the wine picking his nose out yeah. back as he looked through the trash the other like, day gary i'm hungry too man yeah. come on <laughs> his wife's a four like come on there's no chance <laughs> Gary is going to one of the 144,000. <laughs> also, 144,000? That's lot. not that elite of a number. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a, it's a lot it's of people. Lot. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. So, so does anyone <laughs> frown upon that? At the time, I didn't. I always thought it was kind of like, whoa, look at the, he's one of the he's one of the guys. He's one of the chosen ones. Now, if I saw that, yes, I would definitely think that. But when I was young and brainwashed, I thought it was, I thought it was legit. Well, but are you oh. still practicing? Now? Yeah. No. Okay, so you wouldn't no. you wouldn't only think that this guy isn't one of the elite, but you'd also be like, Gary's a fucking moron. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what brought about your uh detachment from the church? So man, we're taking a deep dive. I love this. So my mo- <laughs> my mom started the whole thing. So she's one of the few people that was converted by somebody knocking on her door. So I was wow. I was knocking on doors from the time I was six years old. I wouldn't even have to say anything. You know, you just rely on cuteness at that age. You just bat your eyelashes and hand them a pamphlet, and, you know, people are usually nice. Then as you get older, you know, everyone's true colors start. I had people release dogs on me. I had people threaten to pull their gun out. And this is in Ridgefield, Connecticut. I'm not Holy talking shit. about, like, Camden, like New nice Jersey. Suburb. Yeah, mm. yeah. So people, like, hated us. So it was, like, legit scary going door to door because you never knew what you were going to walk into every now and then people would be hung uh very friendly invite you in offer you like a snack or something and you could sit down and talk to them but more often than not they would slam the door in your face so my mom when my dad got out of the marine corps he was still stationed in south carolina they were living in south carolina somebody came to their door uh she was from a very kind of disillusioned protestant upbringing alcoholic parents so she kind of gravitated toward it because when you're in it it's almost similar to hasidism like it's a really tight-knit community it's like a family you're taken care of so she gravitated toward it for those reasons and my dad kind of just like went along with it he didn't really give a shit so she raised (laughs) that's great i love that listen to your mother yeah (laughs) so she raised all my older siblings that way and then they, one at a time, they were like, this is not for me. So they trickled off one by one when they were teenagers. So then when I was born, four, I'm 14 years younger than my closest sister wow. in terms of age. How, so many, when I, how many siblings do you have? Three. Okay. So when I was born, my mom was like, all right, you're my last hope. And she basically like said as much. So I had tremendous pressure on me growing up to be the one that didn't fuck up because it was so important to my mom that I... Yeah, I just felt like a lot of pressure to not blow it and really, you know, stay on the path. So she wound up having a brain aneurysm and dropping dead overnight when I was 17. Oh, my God. So then my dad and I 
we kept it up for another three years just because that was our world. You know, that was our community. We didn't know anything differently. We didn't necessarily want to keep doing it, but like we didn't, we, we had no other, we had no other frame of reference, you know? So we kept doing it for another three years, just miserable, like the worst three years of my life. And then, uh, finally when I was 20, I, pretty much had like a nervous breakdown and I was, and I at dinner one night with him, I was like, I got to talk to you. And he's like, what is it? And I was like, I had tears streaming down my face. I was like, I got to tell you something. He's like, I think I know what you're going to tell me. And he's like, you do. I was like, you do. And he goes, you don't want to, you don't want to be a Jehovah's witness anymore. And I was like, how did you know? And he's like, fuck man, I don't want to either. (laughs) (laughs) What a nice moment, man. It's oh, still, it's such a great story. Age it's so not how that scene ever goes in movies, you know? That's great. Oh, that's still great. to this day the closest I've ever felt to my dad. Like yeah. we hugged, we're sobbing, we're like, all right, it just the, the the huge relief, the weight lifted off our shoulders, even though we knew that we were gonna have to completely start over because mm-hmm. again, similar to Hasidism, once you leave, you are done. Like you you might as well be dead. Your You're completely excommunic- excommunicated. So I was totally ready to pull the trigger on that, though. I was like, you know, ready to hit the reset button and start yeah. over. Wow. So then what'd you do? Uh, so then I moved down to, I just needed to get out of my parents' house. I needed to get out of the town I grew up this in. This Ridgefield? Yeah. So I got, I, I moved down to uh, Silver Spring, where my one of my older brothers was living. He was like, just get Who's out of that? the house. Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. So he's like, just get out of the house. You can come down here, live with me for a while, help you get a job. So he did. I moved down there. I got my first uh, apartment in D.C., my own like one-bedroom apartment. I was like working at a plant nursery, and I was just like loving life. I mean, I was just so grateful to have fucking freedom for once in my life. And then, uh, and then finally, after a year living there, I finally I wanted to live here from the age of like ten, but I didn't really. I didn't really have any roots here, so that's why I went down to to D.C. because at least I had, you know, my brother was there. But the weird thing about leaving the Jehovah's Witness religion is all these things that I couldn't do growing up, you know, no drinking, no drugs, no, I couldn't go to school dances, I couldn't play sports, no premarital sex. I felt like so much catching, I had to do so much catching up that I completely just went off the rails. So I moved to New York to do stand-up, and I was just a fucking degenerate, drunk slut for four years. That's, like, all I did. Just the pursuit of (laughs) just drunkenness and pussy, you know? So I mean, dude, fully well-deserved, though, dude. (laughs) You earned it. And I'm I'm just picturing you, like... Going home with a girl for the night and having like seven rounds of sex, and her being like, Where do you get your virility from? And you being like, Armageddon, the threat of Armageddon, we gotta get it in. Dude, it's so funny it's that you mentioned that because I, I wound up, uh, I, I had a job like this. Uh, do you remember those dudes? I don't know if you know what I'm gonna know what I'm talking about. They're dudes that used to hang out like in Washington Square Park, Union Square. They would basically sell like spa passes to women on the street. Have you seen this? No. They'd be like, "Hey, where do you get your haircut?" And then they sell like a sixty dollar voucher to a salon where you get like a haircut, and a manicure, and it's legit. But you have to pay for it on the spot, which getting people in New York to shell out yeah. cash on the street is insane. But I did that for a year when I first moved here. And there was a girl that I worked with that I was like, had such a crush on. She was this beautiful, 
Polish girl, and she wound up quitting. I never saw I never saw her again. I wound up reconnecting with her like three years later. She came back to my place. We had sex, and it was like this is a dream. I can't believe this is happening. I like pined for this girl for a solid year. So we were having sex. I came. She didn't know I came. So she started giving me head, and she was like, are you going to come yet? And I was like, oh, I already came like 10 minutes ago. She's like, how are you still hard? I was like, I have a pretty crazy upbringing. <laughs> that is great. Man. Your regenerative properties are just off, <laughs> yeah. off the charts. Through That's so incredible. many two decades of suppression, sexually. <laughs> that two nut rod, dude. Yeah. I, I, have, I have so stay. many great qu- questions That's about awesome. this. You know, for for one, uh, I have more questions about the religion. The, the first is, do they have a suspected date of the Armageddon? When no, is the end no. of times? No. So that's the thing. I've, I've I'm going to be 37 next month. I was, you know, so for from 1983. Until, you know, the entire duration of my stint as a Jehovah's Witness, they were making it seem like it was around the corner, it's like imminent. it could happen tomorrow. Because you can, you know, you can take into account world events any given day, you know, whether it's, you know, Hutus and Tutsis yeah. in Africa or 9-11 Anything. or like... Global uh, warming. Even, even like back during World War II, I'm sure they would have used uh, the, you know, concentration camps as a oh, sign yeah. of like, see, this is, this is a sign of the times. So they're constantly able to put a spin on current events and make mm-hmm. it sound like that is that Armageddon is imminent. So they'll never they'll never give you like a definite date. They're they're just constantly able to be like, you see what's happening? To it's, read the tea leaves, yeah. It's fast approaching. In Mormonism, yeah. there is a, a lot of survivalism, uh, kind of radical people who who stockpile. I just read this book called Educated, uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, this young woman was raised in a Mormon, uh, Mormon survivalist family that believed that it was you like know, Latter-day Saints. Yeah, but they 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 really they lived in Idaho and they really believed that the end of times was coming, okay. and so they would stockpile stuff, yeah. gasoline and uh, you know food and supplies. Are there Jehovah's Witnesses that create oh, a good question. bomb shelters and prepare? <clears throat> Believe it or not, the... there there isn't, and I think. It's probably because you're pretty much taught that when Armageddon does happen, they basically make it seem like the world can be collapsing all around you, but you will be protected. Almost like that movie, this, this, uh, the, what, the end. This is the end. Yeah, yeah. Or like in Game of Thrones, when the when the when Daenerys like emerges from the ashes. Oh yeah. You know, right, completely right. naked, and she's like completely unscathed. It's almost like that. Like they using the that, codes in a yeah. video game. So. Uh, you and your dad both simultaneously recognize in each other this longing to to move on. Yeah. Do you feel as though did you later learn that uh, both of you had been longing to leave, but you thought the other wanted to stay? Was that yeah. something? Yeah. That's so we crazy. were but bo- we were both kind of doing it for a number of reasons. A, we didn't have any other. It was our community. We didn't have anything outside of that. We were both sheltered for so long uh be out of respect for my mom just yeah. continuing to do it because mm-hmm. it was so important to her and even though we didn't we wanted to move on like you know i had friends he had friends like uh you know it's a very tight-knit community right. so like and it, and they make it 
they discourage uh they discourage a lot of stuff to keep you in the fold so like you know how Hasid's like they really frown upon any secular education they almost right. they almost, almost like that. handicap children so that they oh. can't adapt in the real world and it's kind of similar to Jehovah's Witnesses like school was you can't go to college yeah like I could I wasn't I actually did go to art school for two years but I had to commute from home that was like the caveat gotcha. was like I had to I couldn't live on campus gotcha. so I was a fucking MTA metro north commuter for two years going to sva and back every day which oh, is yeah. brutal hmm. so um yeah it was my, my dad and i both doing it like well i guess we should keep doing this and at first when i told him that and he was like yeah i'm out too it was a relief but then at the same time i was pissed at him because like i had to fucking pull the trigger on this yeah you mm-hmm. know like what if i didn't say anything mm-hmm. how right. long would we keep doing this right, right. He's you know that's yeah tough. how was your relationship with your siblings while they had once they had already defected uh, it was very, uh, so my oldest brother, they all like defected hard. So yeah. like they all went off the rails when they, like my oldest brother was involved in like, he was, got caught up in cocaine and gambling and he was like on the lam for a couple of years. Like he was in Arizona for a couple of years. I didn't even see him for right. a while. Um, another brother of mine, uh, got really into motorcycles then he joined the marines and then he married a catholic girl and that was like a triple whammy to my mom because it's like this for, you know right don't yeah. kill yourself on a motorcycle that's that has nothing to do with religion but any mom's gonna freak out about totally. that yeah and then the military jehovah's witnesses are, are neutral so they're very anti-military so when he joined the marines her head exploded and then he married a catholic girl and then he converted to catholicism uh, hmm. so that 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 again put so much more pressure on me because she was so devastated by that that I felt even more pressure to not fuck up. You know, interesting though that your mother was bummed out that your brother joined the Marine Corps when your father had been exactly in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, well, okay, what yeah. your your classmates at SVA. Did you hide the fact that you were a Jehovah's Witness from them? I did, yeah. And I hit it I hit it all through school as much as I could. Because there's really no explaining that to people. Right. And it sucked too because like, you know, I would get invited to go to school dances or go over to friends' houses or whatever, and you can't really say, I can't, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. They don't know what that means, you know. So I would just have to like lie about other plans. Be like, oh, I gotta go visit my grandma this weekend. And it just gets exhausting. Yeah. You know? Was part of you worried that they might <clears throat> make you confront the rationale if there was like an outside perspective on it? If you were like, yeah, you know, we believe this, people are like, yeah, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. You, you were afraid yeah. of it. And, yeah. and I knew they would, because I knew it was crazy to right. some extent. I mean, you know, uh, up until I be, became a teenager, I was, I went along with it. I was a real, I was a good boy, you know? Yeah. And I still was up until the point that my mom died, but like a year or two before. She died. I was started, you know, I started questioning things and wanting to stray a little bit, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to, you know, wanting to play sports, wanting to go to school dances, you know, totally. perfectly normal teenage shit. Um, so I knew that if I told friends of mine that I was, I was, they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't think that that was like a valid reason. They would just be like, well, fuck them. Just do what you want to do, you know? Right. Um, and my siblings did do that. Like my brother... He had girlfriends, and he had lost his virginity when he was 16. He used to go to parties. But, like, it was more difficult for my parents then because they were all, they're all two years apart. 
so they can keep tabs on them as easily. Whereas with me, I right. came around so much later You're that they could put all child. their exactly yeah. yeah they could put all their focus on me. Crazy dude. Do you regret having spent so much time as a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, believe it or not, I don't. It's taken me years to come to that conclusion. Years of therapy and anger and frustration. But I don't regret it <clears throat> because it has made me way more grateful for things that I think other people take for granted. Like? Just, just general freedoms. Mm -hmm. Just being able to... Jehovah's Witnesses have church services three times a week. So Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Tuesday night, Thursday night, Sunday afternoon were spent at the Kingdom Hall listening to people preaching. How long were those services? Like two hours. Oh. And then that's not including going door to door. And then in the summertime, my mom <clears throat> would make me devote an entire month to going door to door. Every like day? 60 hours a month. Yeah. And how, how often are you supposed to be doing that? It's kind of like, it's kind of on an honor system. You know, they want to know that you're actively doing it, but it's not like you, they, you don't really have to log your hours so much unless right. you want to like make a real commitment to doing it. Um, so just that, dude, like even yeah. almost 20 years later, Thursday at like six o'clock, I'll be like, I got to go to a meeting. Oh, yeah. I don't have to go to a meeting tonight. That's nice. You know, so it's made me mm -hmm. just grateful for a life of freedom, being able to make my own choices. Yeah. But yeah. it's had a profound effect on my level of guilt, feeling terrible guilt anytime I do anything that would have formerly been frowned upon. Um, one of the, one of the things that I, I have a bit about, and this is a true story. I, m most relate, what, how, how did you grow up? Episcopalian, Episcopalian. But, but, but with a total, <clears throat> you know, checked out attitude all, yeah. all around and nobody was, we were not serious. It wasn't. Yeah, okay. I how was, about a, you? I was, uh, I was, I was just talking about this earlier. I actually baptized and then we experimented with different sects of Christianity, but right, right. Hands off kind of thing. So like, I think it's across the board. Christianity frowns upon premarital sex and masturbation, right? It's kind of frowned upon, but it's not I like Catholicism does. Yeah. I but I don't know about, I don't know about Christianity all around. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, it's like, it's yeah. like a punishable offense. So like, uh, I used to feel so guilty about masturbating that every time I did it, I would punish myself and I would charge myself a fine. I would put $5 in a jar to donate to the church. I swear to God. Wow. So, I worked crazy. like Dude, crazy after school jobs. Hundreds of thousands of dollars to the church. If oh, I've been following I, that. I did. I did, dude. And it would like, but that would, that would like prevent me from doing it, you know? Yeah. And I worked, I had like a few after school jobs and, you know, I would spend, my money would either go towards CDs or like going in the jerk off fund, you know? That's crazy. And, <laughs> And there would be times where I'm like, oh man, I really want to get that. I really want to get that new Wu Tang album. I can't rub but, one out tonight, you know. Yeah, and also and, I like the thought of thinking of amazing. like of 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 them giving a tour of some like new hot spanking new church <laughs> yeah. and be like, well, and this is of course the wing that was donated by Doug's uh, yeah. sperm <laughs> the house that come built. Yeah, yeah. So, I was wondering, yeah, like, I was thinking, yeah, like, I, I assume maybe you would go on more doorsteps or something or whatever, but like, is you don't there, get paid for that. Right. But, no. I'm, but is there right. some kind of incentive though, when you recruit someone? 
No, not really. Just like just knowing that you've that you've added to uh, the flock of God's. Chosen, you know, chosen. Chosen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you guys keep track of which houses you'd hit so that you wouldn't yes. double back? And, yeah, and, and I'd love to see what it's like now in terms of you know the way that technology is advanced. Yeah. Yeah. When I was growing up, we had like a territory card with a map of the neighborhood with like you know shittily drawn streets and street names, yeah. and then you would write down the house you went to, uh, whether they were home or not home, whether they were interested or not interested. And unless they were like vehemently opposed and screaming in your face, you would keep going back. Wow. And if something bad happened, like they let out a, a German shepherd on your ass or threatened to pull a gun, you'd make a note of that, skip that house next time. It's good to know. Yeah. But I learned a lot of tricks because I didn't want to. That was another thing. Like my congregation uh, would go door to door in like five different towns in the area. But one of those towns was the town I grew up in. So every now and then I would knock on a door and a kid from school would answer the door, which Oof. is just horribly, oh, God. you know, like then you have to be like, oh yeah, I'm a, I kind of, I'm a Jehovah, I do this on the weekends, you know, and you just kind of like really kind of sweep it under the rug and like, hey, I'll see you Monday later. So people must have <laughs> known that at your school. Some people knew. Yeah. There were yeah. definitely some people that knew, but I kept it hidden as much as I could. Yeah. And I would like, I would find ways to kind of like fudge it when I would go door to door, like. It would look like I was pushing the doorbell, but I would just kind of like push off to the side, you know, and I would like go to doors by myself while like my parents were sitting in the car. So I'd like, you know, feign a knock, like "Eh, not Not home, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. And dude, that's like a wealthy town. And I imagine that that would make it more difficult because, you know, wealthy people, you know, they have money and a lot of them are, I guess, well-educated, especially in that part of Connecticut. I just associate it with like people who are Mm -hmm. on the up and up. It must've made it much more difficult. Yeah, because Jehovah's Witnesses, I think it appeals to people that are like disillusioned or looking for some sense of community, right. or they're kind of lost and they need they need something. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Totally. I mean, it was met with a lot of <laughs> resistance for sure. And I hate to make this parallel, but it sounds a lot like the way that people recruit terrorists. Yeah. With that same thing, they come over and give them bread and pat them on the head and say they love them or whatever. And two months later, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're doing some shit they don't believe in or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe they do believe. Because it feels nice to have a community. Man, if I had a dollar for every head I cut off, I would have been able to jerk <laughs> off so much more. <laughs> and buy so many Wu-Tang albums. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, Doug, uh, what a fascinating uh, story. Thank <laughs> you for joining us on Oops. Uh, you know, we didn't ask you directly if you had any major Oopses in your life, but I think uh, your story fits well under some umbrella of that um you've got one al- year oops yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got an album out it's called uh, barely regal you can find that on itunes on spotify on all streaming services uh pandora take a listen there check out doug's set on <laughs> this is not happening about his uh how he thwarted a, a rapist and uh where can we find you on social media uh at who doug smith on twitter and instagram and uh i'm now running a, a weekly show at an art gallery in Long Island City, Plaxall Gallery with uh, National Lampoon. So every Friday at 10 p.m., come check us out. Hell check yeah. The links are on my, on my Instagram. Awesome. Man. Awesome. Julio, anything? Uh, f- uh, January 10th, Fairfield Comedy Club. Uh, connect people if you want to come out. And anybody, any of those Ridgefield folks who felt <laughs> slighted by Doug knocking on the door, let's commiserate. Um, Hell yeah. yeah, so come check that out. Nice. And he's not Julio, of course. I'm at Francis C.C. Ellis. I'm at Helium Comedy Club in Philly, March 5th to the 7th. 
Uh, and we hope you guys uh, stay secular out there. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.